due to fearing the kings who were attracted to her. Again, if we do not decide to stop generational patterns, they will definitely repeat. It is important that we know the mistakes of our ancestors so that we can prevent them from happening, but we must say that these mistakes, these deceptions, these generational patterns have to end with me. It's interesting because after Abraham died, the Philistines put dirt into the wells he dug. And then Isaac came along and he had to dig up those wells. Sometimes your ancestors could have laid a foundation and done something that others have destroyed. And then Yah will bring you to the place of uncovering what was stolen from your ancestors. And you are the one that will revive it. Many of us are looking into our history, our DNA, our tribe, and we're uncovering Hebrew heritage. Sometimes, though our ancestors may have known they were Hebrew, the lies of the powers that be, of the elites, of the religious leaders, have literally thrown dirt on top of our Hebrew heritage. And now this generation, as a Joshua generation, has to come and clear the dirt off of the lies so that we can uncover what our ancestors left for us. This is Isaac's story. He has to uncover the dirt from the wells his father Abraham built. Each generation is to build on the next if something positive is to last. If your ancestors did something positive and it's not flourishing or it seems dead, you, through the power of Yah, can revive it again. Author Christine Miller also brings out that when examining this week's Torah portion, we see the, the life of Isaac again repeating the events of Abraham with his contentions with the Philistines. But we also see Isaac repeating Abraham's character trait of relinquishing rights. Abraham's well of water were Isaac's by right, and the wells that Isaac service dove were by right his. But when the herdsmen of the Philistines contended with him over them, Isaac did not assert his rights, but moved on. This is also Abraham's character trait. The land was his by right, but when Lot's herdsmen quarreled with Abraham's herdsmen over it, Abraham gave Lot first choice. He relinquished his rights. And when he did so, just as in Isaac's case, Yah immediately came to him and reaffirmed the covenant with him. The character trait of relinquishing rights is one of Messiah Yahshua's character traits. And so we see Isaac repeating a negative generational pattern of deception, but also repeating a positive generational pattern of relinquishing rights. Sometimes we're called to stand on our rights and not let them go, and sometimes Yah will call you to be humble and relinquish your rights. Yahshua says we are to be meek, but meek is not about being weak. Meek is about having power, knowing the power you have, but relinquishing your rights or strength at that time for a greater purpose. So parents, remember, your children will repeat both the negative and the positive traits that you have. So it's best to do your, to do, um, your best to show your kids the positive character traits so they can repeat those. We see an example of how Yahshua relinquished his rights 
in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 9, when it states, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Yahshua HaMashiach, who, being in the form of Elohim, did not consider it robbery to be equal with Yah, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, Yah also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. See, when we practice meekness and we um, know we have strength, but we, but we give up our rights knowing that Yah will take care of us, we are actually exalted by Yah because Yah resists the proud, but he, he exalts the humble. And so it takes discernment to know when to stand on your rights and when to relinquish them. And that scripture was from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. Isaac was blessed in the struggle for well-control. In verse 22, one of the wells is named Rehoboth, for now Yah has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. That's what the name Rehoboth means. In verses 22, or in verses 24 to 25 rather, Yah told Isaac he would bless him. And then in verses 26 to 33, we see king of Abimelech of the Philistines coming to make a peaceful covenant with Isaac after seeing his blessing. When your enemies see you are blessed by Yah, even many of them will want to be in relationship with you. Sometimes these relationships and covenants are good, but sometimes people may try to use your blessing and anointing, and so discernment is key before entering into any relationship or covenant. In this case, this covenant led to Isaac and his family being safe. Now, when we examine wells in Torah and in the greater scriptures, we see that there is a deep connection between wells and the patriarchs meeting women at these wells. And when I say the greater scriptures, I meant the Tanakh and the future scriptures. I did not mean that those scriptures are greater than Torah. Sorry about that. But I want to talk for a few minutes about the role that wells play as a meeting location for matriarch and, and patriarchs in our scripture. Because I want everyone to think about this question. Is this Torah portion being so focused on wells giving us a special message about wives and about mothers and matriarchs, but maybe the message is actually hidden? Young women typically have the daily chore of drawing water for wells to supply the family household. Genesis 24:11 tells us that women went out to draw water in the evening using vessels made of either clay or animal skins attached to a rope. The women would lower the vessel into the well to collect the water and then carry the filled vessel on either their head or their hip or more likely their shoulder as described in several passages. When we go to Africa, we see in rural areas women still going to bodies of water and wells to draw the water and carry it on their heads. When we read Genesis 24:15, we read, Before he had finished speaking, there was Rebekah, who was born to Bethel, son of Malchah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, coming out with her water jar on her shoulders. 
After going to the spring and filling her jar, Rebekah lowers her jar upon her hand, Genesis 24:18, to offer water to Abraham's servant. Wells were also places of betrothal scenes. Betrothal is just a fancy word for engagement. As the young women likely went out together to collect water, young men of the village realized that this event gave them a perfect opportunity to socialize with the women away from the watchful eyes of the girls' fathers and male relatives. The Hebrew Bible recounts several women meeting their future spouses at Wells. The narratives follow a similar literary pattern. A man travels to a foreign land where he meets a young woman who draws water for him. After meeting the girl's family, a marriage is arranged. Abraham's servant stopped at the well and met Rebekah there. This is shown in Genesis 24, verses 10 to 27. Jacob meets Rachel at a well where she came to water her father Laban's flock of sheep. And we see this in Genesis 29, verses 1 to 11. Moses, too, met his future wife, Zipporah, at a well when she came with her sisters to water their father's flock. And we see this in Exodus chapter 2, verses 15 to 22. In addition to these three betrothal scenes, Saul met young women who were on their way to draw water while he was searching for his father's donkeys in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 3 to 12. Divine revelation occurred at wells, too. As water is life-giving and symbolizes creation and new beginnings, it is noteworthy that Yahweh choose water sources for places for revelation. In the Song of Songs, the woman is praised as a garden fountain, a well of living water. Song, um, Song of Songs, chapter 4, verse 15. As Hagar fled from Sarai, an angel of Yah appeared to her at the well, Bir Lahai Roi, where he revealed to her the name of her son Ishmael and promised her a multitude of offspring, Genesis 16, verses 6 to 14. Later, when Hagar and Ishmael had been cast out into the wilderness of Beersheba and their water supply was gone, Yah opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink, Genesis 21, verse 19. So let's review. Abraham's servant, Eleazar, met Rebekah, Isaac's wife, at the well. Jacob meets Rachel at the well. Moses meets Zipporah at the well. Yahshua meets the Samaritan woman at the well, and though they don't get married, he talks to her about her broken marriages, and as a northern kingdom woman, she represents the broken marriage between Yah and the lost tribes of Israel. And remember, Yahshua said in chapter 15, verse 24, that he only came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And Yahshua came because Yah divorced Israel, and in Torah, if a man and woman get divorced, and they go and they are with other people. They cannot remarry. Y'all divorced us because we went off and um, as Israel, we had spiritual adultery with the gods of other nations. And so through Yahshua, we are born again and able to be remarried to Yah. So when Yah meets this Samaritan woman at the well, and they're talking about the right place to worship, and it's clear she's into kind of some um, Torah um, syncretism with idolatry, this is actually a picture of Yahshua's main purpose of coming to remarry the lost tribes of Israel who are mixed in with the nations back to Yah. And sadly, in the future, Yehuda and Levi and Benjamin, the southern kingdom, would um, go through the same divorce process and need the same remarriage. So we begin this Torah portion with Wells, and we now know Wells were sites where important Hebrew men met their wives or met 
women. And yet we end this Torah portion with Esau taking Hittite wives and grieving his parents. There is a message being sent to us in this chapter about the importance of wives and, the, and mothers of Israel. But it's hidden, much like the woman's role is hidden as the Edzer Kenegdo. But just because something is hidden doesn't mean it's valuable. Usually you actually hide what is most valuable to you. Those of you who have very expensive jewelry probably have, um, have um, lockers in your house where you keep the price the high price jewelry hidden instead of just having it out for everyone to see. It is in this battle of wells that we really see this hidden message about the matriarchs or the mothers. But because we don't know what wells represented in um, Hebrew culture and we don't know what water represents in Hebrew culture, we can't see the connections um, that are there. But there is a very, when you look at the Hebrew word, for mother and the Hebrew word for water, you see a connection that gives some light on what's being said in this Torah portion. The Hebrew word for mother includes the letter mem, which is connected to water, and in Paleo-Hebrew, a mem even looks like waves of water. The early Semitic pictograph for the letter mem is the squiggly, is a picture of squiggly waves of water this pictograph has meanings of liquid water and sea, mighty and massive from the size of the sea and chaos from the storms of the sea. The modern Hebrew name for this letter is Mem, probably from the word Mayim, meaning water. The word Mayim is the pure form of Ma, M-A-H, probably the original name for this letter meaning what. So wells are sites where the mothers of Israel are met, and the Hebrew word for mother includes the letter Mem, which is associated with water. There is a message being given to us in this chapter about the mothers of Israel. Because when we look at the last verse, we see Esau marrying non-Hebrew um, women or marrying women who are not from his family's bloodline. And this grieved Isaac and Rebekah. And remember, Sarah, when she's dying, she made it clear that she wanted Isaac with women of her kin. So could it be that the battles of the wells correlate to the battle to pass on the covenant to the right male heir and the right woman heir? Esau did not meet his wives at wells, at least that's not recorded, but Jacob does. And Rachel was of his bloodline. Remember, Jacob and Rachel were related because Rebecca, Jacob's mother, was actually the sister of Laban, Rachel's father. So when Rachel and, and Jacob come together, and also Leah as well, the covenant is, you know, passed on to the right family. Now, you know the whole battle between Jacob and Esau, and Esau selling his, bowl, his birthright for a bowl of soup. Then he's going, his parents are mad at the Horite women he marries, so he does them one better. He takes Ishmaelite women, and it actually says after that he despises his covenant. We know the drama with Jacob and Isaac. Um... And I invite you to visit my YouTube page for Embracing Biblical Womanhood, the makeover of Rebecca, where we really delve into that whole, did, um, you know, Jacob filling the covenant and what role Rebecca played. I won't go into that now. But we see that Jacob does end up marrying women from the, the right family, not from, you know, family of foreigners and idolaters. 
And as we read further, we read again, as I said, Esau took Ishmaelite wives, Horite wives. Um, so I submit to you that possibly the battle of the wells being described in this week's Torah portion represents this battle for the covenant since women birth the children who will continue the covenant. And if you look at the matriarchs, their role was, was protecting and passing on the covenant. So some will say the Hebrew woman in the Hebrew womb does not matter, that you only need a Hebrew father. These people are very mistaken. Just because the role of the Hebrew woman is hidden or because we don't know the original language or how to read scripture, we don't see this role, it doesn't mean that the Hebrew woman in the Hebrew womb does not matter. It's key to remember in this chapter, many patriarchs met their wives at wells. Mother in Hebrew is associated with water. And in the next chapter, like Isaac has a battle with the Philistines for the wells, we will see Esau and Jacob battling for the birthright. But remember, we end this chapter with a very strange verse almost out of nowhere about the women that Esau married. Because it's all connected. Wells, wives, and birthrights. Wells, wives, mothers, and birthrights. Though hidden, the Hebrew woman is in the text, but we must have the eyes to see her. Women are also associated with wisdom in the Hebrew. Wisdom is personified as a woman in Proverbs, but wisdom is hidden. The Ruach HaKodesh is hidden, and you have to seek out wisdom and love wisdom with your whole life. Just the way in ancient Israel and the ancient Near East, they sought out those wells, they fought over those wells, because they know that they, they knew that their lives depended on finding that living water. So with that, I just leave you with a reflection on this week's Torah portion. And as we continue our study of Torah over the next year, I want you to really look in between the lines of Scripture to find the hidden messages Yah is trying to get to us through his word. Please also note that the congregation I attend, Bethel, the house of Yahweh, has switched from one year of Torah reading. Um, we've switched from a one-year Torah reading schedule to a three-year Torah reading schedule so that we can spend more time with the text. So in light of this, we will be following the three-year Torah reading schedule. What that basically means is instead of reading three to four chapters of Torah per week, we're only going to read about one chapter. To obtain a copy of the one-year Torah reading schedule, you can email me at info at propheticworldwind.com, and I will send you a copy of the one-year schedule. May Yah bless you and keep you. May Yah make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May Yah turn his face towards you and give you peace. Rebirth Radio is a project of Hebrew Nation Building, a ministry to awaken, restore, and prepare Yah's people. To learn more, visit rebirthofanation.info. To learn more about Prophetic Worldwind, uncovering the black biblical destiny, visit propheticworldwind.com. And remember, if it ain't practical, it probably ain't Torah.